Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, he is often considered the Supreme Court's greatest jurist, but is Chief Justice John Marshall about to become another victim of cancel culture? Also this morning, celebrating agriculture in Hancock County, past, present, and future, at the 32nd Annual Farmer's Share Breakfast, we'll get a preview. In our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, Living a Simple Godly Life in a Crazy Modern World, doesn't have to be as impossible as it may seem. In our Community and Business Spotlight, you're invited to Stillwater's Retreat, the area's newest wedding and event venue. And we have details on June's events and activities at the Hancock Historical Museum. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. Uh, today is, this is kind of interesting, Chim, Chimborazo Day. Do I have that right? Chimborazo Day. Uh, it celebrates the spot on Earth that is closest to the moon and farthest from the center of the Earth, which happens to be an inactive volcano named Chimborazo in the Andes Mountains in central Ecuador at an elevation of 20,000 565 feet. Bet you didn't know that. So you learned something this morning. It is Chimborazo Day. Also, it is Impersonate Authority Day. Gotta be careful with that. You might get yourself into trouble. The Impersonate Authority Day. Love Conquers All Day today. I wanted to make sure that I was back in time for Love Conquers All Day. National Egg Day. National Itch Day. It is Repeat Day, a day to repeat things you enjoy doing. So I'll say it again. It is Repeat Day, National Chocolate Macaroon Day, and maybe most importantly, it is National Moonshine Day. So again, allow me to repeat that. It is National Moonshine Day today. So, a lot of people traveling uh, the summer of 2021, and national parks have been very popular uh, destinations over the past couple of years. Uh, With the uh, pandemic, even though a lot of the parks uh, had things that were closed because of the pandemic, visitor centers and, and things like that, not all of the amenities were open because of the pandemic, people looking to get out of doors... Uh, flocked to the national parks, such as, you know, in terms of whatever flocking looked like in 2020, flocks of people, not quite what they were in 2020 during travel season, but that has continued into 2021. And it says here, you might need a reservation to get into them, not just in 2021 because they're so popular, but perhaps permanently moving forward says, for the second consecutive year, reservations are required to visit Yosemite, Rocky Mountain, and Glacier National Parks. Other popular sites, including Acadia National Park in Maine, encouraging visitors to buy entrance passes in advance. Many of the most popular parks are limiting their capacity to some extent. That varies from one park to the next. But they say limiting visitors serves two purposes. Not only does it reduce the COVID-19 risk spreading the virus, but it also allows some parks to recover from recent wildfires. 
Uh, between 2010 and 2019, the number of national park visitors spiked from 281 million to 327 million, largely driven by social media advertising and increasing foreign tourism. And that growth is bringing more pollution, putting wildlife at risk to a degree, and all of this threatens the future of the park system. And the National Park Service has warned about this for a number of years that we may be loving our parks to death. And uh, in 2020, during the height of the pandemic, some U.S. parks were emptier than normal, while Yellowstone and others were near capacity. It is thought that this is just a temporary pause, uh, that even more people will likely flock to the parks in 2021 and beyond. So, uh, again, reservations may be required moving forward. It's always been a very controversial thing, uh, limiting access to the national parks, because at least in theory, uh, it's the American public, the visitors who own the parks. But, like I said, there's been concern that we are loving them to death. So be interesting to see how they handle this uh, moving forward and if there's any pushback on that. So the lockdowns obviously were no fun during the pandemic, but they did have a positive effect on at least one thing, urban crime. Researchers from two universities in the UK looked at the daily crime rates before and during the stay-at-home orders in 27 global major metropolitan areas and they found that while reductions in criminal activity varied from city to city in keeping with the varied rules in place most crimes fell after the lockdowns began uh sweden's major cities also reported a fall in daily theft rates during the lockdowns some of the most extreme reductions in crime were seen in barcelona where assaults and robberies fell by more than 80%, and daily thefts dropped from 385 to 30. That's a pretty dramatic drop-off. Uh, there were two U.S. cities that were part of the study, Chicago and San Francisco, and assaults fell by 34 and 36% respectively. But all of those reductions in crime were temporary, peaking between two and five weeks after stay-in-home orders came into effect before gradually returning to previous levels. So, in other words, the criminals uh, went along with the lockdowns for a while and stayed home themselves, but after a while, uh, they were back at it again. By the way, did you uh, hear the uh, latest uh, in the uh, pandemic, the latest incentive? Anheuser-Busch has announced free beer for everyone if we can hit the goal of 70% vaccination by the 4th of July. Anheuser-Busch, maker of Budweiser, says that as part of its commitment to supporting the safe and strong recovery of our nation, it will buy America's next round for people over 21. All you have to do is upload a picture of yourself at your favorite bar or restaurant to mycooler.com slash beer. And you will get a $5 virtual debit card. So they'll buy your first round once we hit the 70% threshold, the number of Americans who are vaccinated. They're going off CDC numbers, and uh, they say they will begin the giveaway when the CDC confirms 70% of Americans have had at least one dose of the uh, COVID vaccine. And uh, it will only be in effect for a week, 
But here you go. We get to 70%, which the president said he wants to have done by the 4th of July. And it seems like we should be able to get there. It's about a month away, and we need to average just 500,000 vaccinations nationwide a day between now and then. And we've been been running lately about a million vaccinations a day. So we should get there comfortably, but we'll see. Free beer all the way around. Speaking of alcoholic beverages, Truly, the hard seltzer, Truly, is unleashing, get this, boozy lemonade freeze pops. <laughs> kind of a flashback to your childhood summer, but with a definite adult twist. Uh, they have created lemonade freeze pops that come in uh, three flavors, original lemonade, mango lemonade, and strawberry lemonade. Uh, it says each pop is 80 calories and 5% alcohol by volume. They come in 12 packs and are available in select stores now. So, <laughs> freeze pops. I remember freeze pops when I was a kid, but they were never like that. <laughs> Speaking of corporate news, Nathan's Famous, you know, the hot dog place, is bringing back a classic fast food restaurant. Uh, they are relaunching Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. I didn't even know that they owned the rights to the name of Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. Remember Arthur Treacher's years and years and years ago when you were a kid? At its peak, it was a chain with more than 800 locations across the U.S. The uh, I remember going to Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. It was a, a big, uh, big treat when we were a kid. Um, by the way, did you know Arthur Treacher? You've seen the movie uh, Mary Poppins. The constable that returns the kids to their father. Uh, he's on the phone with the police asking them to send the constable. The constable knocks at the door and the kids are back. And they say, oh, well, that was very prompt service. That constable was Arthur Treacher. That's who that was. Uh, so he was a real person. He was a, a British actor. Anyway, Nathan's Famous says it plans to offer the seafood-based eateries menu at Ghost Kitchen locations. Ghost Kitchen's uh, the term for a restaurant that has no storefront. There's no dine-in only online ordering. Some of them have a drive-through, but most of them you can only order online for delivery. So there's no real storefront. Uh, it says customers will be able to order items from both Arthur Treacher's and Nathan's Famous from these locations. Uh, and they will... <laughs> it says the relaunch will see old favorites return to the menu. As well as some new additions. It's been so long since I've been to an Arthur Treacher's that I can't even remember what the old favorites were. So, <laughs> But they do open time. They'll be open, uh, able to reopen some permanent Arthur Treacher's dine-in locations. How about that? And how about this? Amazon said yesterday that they will stop testing job seekers for marijuana use. Now, I don't know if this is because of the worker shortage. <laughs> They're thinking some people aren't applying because they couldn't pass a, a drug test for marijuana. But the uh, but Amazon is now the second largest private employer in the U.S. behind Walmart. 
And they are making the change as states legalize cannabis or introduce laws banning employers from testing for it. The AP reports that in March, a New York man sued Amazon, saying the company rescinded his job offer at a warehouse because he tested positive for marijuana, even though the city banned employers from testing job applicants for cannabis in 2020. And, of course, many states uh, have legalized recreational uh, marijuana, so they're going to stop testing for it. Does that... And furthermore, in Los Angeles, you could actually... you could actually uh, get a job uh, because of your cannabis use. An L.A.-based company looking to hire an intern to get high. All they have to do is write reviews about the weed shop's 600-plus products. (laughs) Intern will test them all and post reviews. MJ CEO Chris Vaughn tells USA Today the job will... Be sort of like a wine tasting position. <laughs> They're looking for an avid user who is in tune with the way marijuana impacts their body. The intern will work at $15 an hour for three months. It's three months uh, gig. And those interested have to be at least 21 years of age in a California resident where recreational use is legal and, and uh, all of that. But you think they'll have trouble? Fig- I know there's a worker shortage, but I don't think there'll be any shortage of people applying for that one. There you go. Uh, that is... <laughs> So the most interesting and buzzworthy news to start your Thursday morning. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, mostly cloudy today, a chance of showers and a high of 74. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 60. A community meeting has been set in Finley to discuss the proposed Eagle Creek floodwater storage basin with the public. Tim Miley, director of Finley-Hancock County Economic Development, is a board member on Blanchard River Watershed Solutions. We will work to make sure all the questions are answered of any concerns people have, and then go back to the court July 9th and support them. So we want to make sure everybody understands the project because we believe the project is beneficial to the community. Officials believe the basin will reduce the 100-year flood elevation at Main Street by around a foot and a half, which is on top of the benefits being seen from other flood mitigation projects. The public meeting will be held on June 28th at the Old Millstream Center at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. Governor DeWine says a shooting in Springfield in which six people were injured underscores the importance of gun safety legislation that he's been pushing since 2019. All were taken to hospitals, including one who was life-flighted. Governor DeWine says one of the two people in custody has circumstances that make it illegal to possess a gun. I have been asking uh, the General Assembly to pass a bill to give law enforcement, prosecutors, and judges more tools. DeWine has been pushing for tougher penalties for violent felons who illegally possess a gun. Dave James, I went in news. The Blanchard Valley Health System Auxiliary has awarded 12 $1,000 scholarships to students in Hancock and surrounding counties interested in pursuing a health-related career. Money for the scholarship fund comes from the annual membership dues of members of the auxiliary. The number of scholarships awarded annually depends on the amount contributed by auxiliary members. And on our website, we have the 12 students who are getting those scholarships listed. The Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles has resumed in-person driving tests, going back to the testing model it used before the COVID pandemic. It's the first time instructors have conducted in-car testing since March of 2020, when testing was altered because of the pandemic. 
And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. And now to our cover story this morning. Conventional thinking in legal circles for generations has held that John Marshall, who served as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court from 1801 to 1835, is, if not the greatest jurist in the court's history, certainly the most influential, responsible for constructing and defending uh, both the foundation of judicial power and the principles of American federalism. But in 2021, he is about to become a victim of cancel culture as the University of Illinois Chicago next month will remove his name from its law school. Dr. Scott Gerber is a law professor at Ohio Northern University and associated scholar at Brown University's Political Theory Project and has written extensively on the history of the Supreme Court. Scott, kind of summarize for the average person why John Marshall is regarded so highly in American jurisprudence. Okay. Well, for, first, he uh, authored Marbury v. Madison, which is the Supreme Court uh, precedent that states that the uh, federal courts can void laws enacted by Congress and the president that are inconsistent with the Constitution. Uh, and the second reason is that he was one of the uh, early uh, uh, chief justices, and at the time that he was appointed, it was still uncertain whether the Constitution would actually work. And mm-hmm. what he did, as you mentioned a second ago, uh, was address that in his federalism opinions, where he made clear that the national government, the federal government, is supreme over uh, state uh, laws that are inconsistent with that, and that national power is broad. So when when you go to law school, this is one of the first things that you study. I mean, this is chapter one uh, in the uh, in the study books, and yet the UIC School of Law is distancing itself from the namesake it has claimed, I believe, since its founding in in 1899. Why? Well, because um, a, a legal historian named Paul Finkelman, who's currently the president of Gratz College in Pennsylvania published a book with Harvard University Press that documented that John Marshall not only owned slaves, he owned a lot of slaves and bought and sold slaves, i.e. trafficked in slaves, Um, and also that when he was on the Supreme Court, he never wrote an opinion that would have advanced the cause of human liberty for um, uh, you know, African Americans. So he was essentially uh, allowing his own uh, personal interests to um, come into play. That's the argument that he was uh, that he was allowing his own interests to come into play uh, when making some of these rulings. Doesn't this open people up to the question uh, to question this move either way? I mean, those who will oppose removing his name from the from the law school will ask whether this cancels out all of his positive contributions to the court and to the American governmental system, and those who support removing his name will question why it took so long. Yeah, no, that, it's, it's a tough one. A lot of questions such as this are very difficult, and, and you know, you posted my Dallas Morning News op-ed on your website, and mm-hmm. as you know, because we've talked many times over the years, I'm not on the left. I'm one of the few uh, uh, professors <laughs> in higher education that is not. 
And so I push back hard against what you call the cancel culture. Um, but, but that said, I also point out in the piece that there are some things that are always wrong, no matter when you do them. And the buying and selling of human beings mm-hmm. is one of them. Even George Washington, who inherited his slaves, uh, refused to buy and sell them. Should he have freed them immediately? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he said I'm, he refuses to buy and sell human beings as if they were cattle. And Marshall went well past that. Marshall bought and sold them yeah. as if they were cattle and did it with hundreds of them. It, it is interesting that this is happening in the legal arena now, because uh, how many times are we we told that in a court of law you have to set aside the personal uh feelings you have about the person on trial and look only at the facts of the case and the facts uh, of the case are that john marshall uh really uh shaped much of what we understand uh as the role of the supreme court within the american governmental system i mean those facts have not changed correct and uh, paul finkelman who wrote the book and who i know and we had him out at down to our law school, Ohio Northern, uh, to speak. He's not arguing to don't teach Marbury v. Madison or McCulloch v. Maryland or these great Supreme Court opinions that Marshall authored. He's saying that you also have to mention his shortcomings and uh, and, and all of that. But no one is saying don't teach those major cases. But it's different to name something after someone, to celebrate someone like that. And so the, 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 the people at, um, at the law school in Chicago, they just decided that it's not appropriate to name a law school after someone that trafficked in slavery. Yeah. And by the way, Cleveland State is also named after him, and they're considering whether to take his name off it. And there's also a law school in Atlanta. And and that really uh, speaks to the general exception that people take to what has been dubbed cancel culture, the unfairness of holding historical figures to modern standards. And I know, as you mentioned, you share that concern. So so where and how do you draw that line? Is it strictly slavery or are there you know, other uh, personal failings that would uh, you know that, 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 that would rise to that level? Yeah, that, that you're, you're asking a very difficult and complicated uh, question. And so with respect to me personally, what I would have to do is I'd have to look at each issue uh, on a case-by-case basis mm-hmm. and think long and hard about it. And I say in the, in the op-ed I wrote that I just finished a book on law and religion in uh, colonial America, and it convinced me at any rate what a great man William Penn was uh, in terms of tolerating other religions, um, <clears throat> but uh, even by t- but by today's standards, he would fall short. Yeah, and uh, you know my con- my point is I don't think we should criticize William Penn uh, in 2021 uh, because of what he did in the uh, you know in 1681 uh, and then when he died in 1718. You know he did a lot of very positive things. Moved the country forward on religious toleration and things mm-hmm. like that. But did he measure up to today's standards? No. Yeah. But I, I, I praise him. I don't condemn him in my book. Yeah, and, and here again, uh, you know, where, do, where does that leave historical figures? You mentioned George Washington, who also owned slaves, although he did not uh, buy and sell them. 
But uh, look at, for example, Thomas Jefferson, who fathered uh, several children with one of his uh, slaves, was essentially, I mean, sometimes she's referred to as a mistress, but more a concubine. Yeah, no, Jefferson's in trouble, and Jefferson has been being crit- has been criticized um, uh, f- uh, for a number of years now because of exactly that. And yeah. As I also mentioned in the piece, most people don't know who John Marshall was. They probably heard his name, but they don't know who he is. But of course, right. everyone knows who Thomas Jefferson was. Exactly, exactly. So really interesting, this uh, uh, latest version of what some people would uh, describe as cancel culture, and the debate continues. Uh, Dr. Scott Gerber, law professor at Ohio Northern University and associated scholar at Brown University's Political Theory Project, has written extensively on the history of the Supreme Court, and we have that op-ed we referred to uh, from the Dallas Morning News at our webpage. You can go to Good Morning's net to read it scott thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it you're welcome chris as i mentioned a little bit earlier the 32nd annual farmer's share breakfast is right around the corner celebrating the business of agriculture in hancock county past present and future uh joining us uh with more information uh doug jenkins judy pusatieri both of which have been with us before. Thank you both for uh, being with us uh, once again. Uh, so give us uh, all of the uh, details, first of all. Uh, Judy, I guess you've got all of the details in front of you there. I so. do. So we are so excited to be able to host the Farmer Share Breakfast in person this year. Mm-hmm. So we normally hold the event in March, yeah. and we delayed it this year in hopes that maybe at least we could have some sort of you know, virtual or in-person, but we're lucky not to have it all in person. So that will be held at the Old Mill Stream Center. And I don't know for many of you that remember that we used to all kind of cram in (laughs) out at the Bergman Lodge. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of space to spread out. So we have plenty of space at the Old Mill Stream Center. It's going to be on Thursday, June 10th at 7 a.m., which is normal, but it's going to feel different because normally in March it's dark right. and you arrive. That's and, a good you know, point. Yeah. Need, that's a good point. You need yeah. flashlights to get to the front Which, door. You know, that's not such a bad thing for farmers. I mean, they're used to that. They're up anyway. <laughs> they're yeah. up. But so. maybe for the rest of us that even... Heck, you know, for farmers, it's brunch time it's brunch. by right. seven. Right. <laughs> you know, for a, lot of, for a lot of them. But uh, yeah, that, uh, uh, so it's a week from today. And can folks still get uh, tickets for this? Absolutely. So the best way to get tickets is to call the Finley Hickok County Chamber of Commerce. Tickets are $5 each, or you can purchase a table. So that way all of you know your friends or colleagues can all sit together. Um, but come out and join us. It is such an interesting event. This year, again, because of the delay, we've been able to change it up a little bit. So not only are you going to be able to meet the four families and inductees into the hall of fame which is something that the farmer share breakfast is known for Mm -hmm. but this year all of the fundraising efforts that the agribusiness committee does goes directly towards scholarships to those seniors and college students that are pursuing agricultural careers yeah and so this year because we've delayed the breakfast you'll get to meet those kids and how cool is that that you'll get to see these kids meet them and um, talk about their futures and what they've done here in Hancock County and, so far. And this, when we talk about uh, honoring and uh, saluting and celebrating the business of agriculture in Hancock County, past, present, and future, yeah. that's what it's uh, all about. We mentioned the uh, Hall of Fame uh, inductions will be announced. That's correct. Uh, Ed Lentz and the uh, OSU Extension Office, they'll be there. They've got the presentation of the, the four people who will be uh, inducted. Um, I don't know how secret. It's secret. It's secret. It's secret. It's like secret. a degree. Secret. Yeah. yeah like. 
Yeah, I'm we, not gonna I, say it's like I won't super ask you classified, to, but you don't have clearance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. So, in other words, you wouldn't have to kill me necessarily, no. but you might lose your. I'd job. be aggravated if you knew. Okay, that's so about as far as it goes. Fair enough. I won't. I won't push yeah. the issue then. <laughs> uh, also, you get the uh, scholarship uh, recipients, so that is uh, really cool, and uh, the uh, FFA yeah. uh, group public speaking uh, winner is going to yes. be uh, speaking. Yes, so Miss um, Heidelbaugh yeah, from Heidelbaugh. from Liberty Benton will be mm-hmm. our speaker this year. Last last year, she was the winner also and presented dynamic speaker. That's all I can say yeah. is we can all learn something from that. But we'll also have many of the FFA chapters from the county there to help set up and tear down. They're a little bit of our muscle um, for the <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> and, you know, when you offer free food to high school kids, usually they end up showing they up. So. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Certainly uh, understandable. And, and we talk about between uh, the FFA kids, uh, talk about the scholarship recipients, uh, for those who are going into fields related to agriculture, such a wide that casts yeah, such a wide and, net. And, and I think we really captured it with our scholarship winners this year. There are kids going into for four year uh, post secondary schools where they're going to college to learn about uh, engineering on some aspects mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. going into agronomy. Well, we've got others who are working in diesel mechanics and they're going to uh, Northwestern in Lima or they're going to Owens and, and getting. So we, we've got I think everything covered yeah. and the ways that you come back to agriculture which is really exciting and it is also a way i mean this is certainly not an event that is limited to those within the agricultural nope. community in fact that was really the uh purpose of the farmer share breakfast to begin with 32 years ago exactly is to bring the community together learn what you know hancock county's biggest industry is which is agriculture and bring everybody in it is interesting the fact so i grew up on a farm i'm on a fifth generation family farm and every year at the farmer share breakfast i learn something new you know <laughs> yeah. so to bring those in that are maybe not close to agriculture come learn it's great it's a really neat event um just to share agriculture with everyone. And just as a sidebar, one of the reasons why it's called the Farmer's Share Breakfast, and we've shared this uh, in the past, the idea was initially uh, the cost would be the farmer's share of what they would get, what they would yeah. receive from the the stuff that would be on your plate. It is such a small amount now that you can no longer do that and and continue to make it viable. Right, I mean, it's, <laughs> that gives you an idea of and just even at five dollars. That's quite the discount, exactly. Yeah. And that's even more than really what the farmers right. get from uh, from these commodities that we will be enjoying. So again, it that in and of itself is sort of a, an eye opener for those who are not involved. Uh, in the industry on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. Ed Luntz usually does a wonderful presentation Mm -hmm. on exactly that. What is the breakdown that the farmer receives back? Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about inputs and then, you know, by the time it gets to the table, what the farmer has actually received from that. And I think many people are surprised by the very small amount that comes back to the farmer. Yeah. So, again, give us all of the uh, details on the uh, breakfast. It is a week from today. It's Thursday, June 10th, starting at 7 a.m. at the Old Mill Stream Center, which is out at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. And we would love for you to join us. It's $5 a ticket. It's a great breakfast. It is. It's in person. But, again, there's plenty of space to spread out in that building. Now, I uh, have to make sure that we get this out there. 
you're not cooking, right, Doug? No, I'm not cooking. Okay, so so but we know it's going to be a great breakfast. It's going to so be Doug delicious. is not cooking. No, how yeah. do folks get? But tickets? we do know that I like to eat, and I select the caterers. So, <laughs> so get there. Yeah. So get there early yeah, yeah, if you exactly. expect food. Well, and I make sure Doug the food's good. Is not too. cooking, not but he is it. eating. Yeah. How do we get tickets? Uh, best way to do it: we go either to the Chamber of Commerce, or you can go to the Ag Extension Office. Uh, we both have tickets in our offices. You can just stop in and buy them five dollars a piece. If you have any questions, just give me a call. My line uh, is five six seven four two nine. Seven zero seven six. Almost forgot. It. I had to think about I, well, that. I was thinking about we the also, general chamber we, number, and I started mixing. You can get there that way too. Yeah, uh, we've got it linked up on our webpage as well for more information. Again, Judy Pusateri and Doug Jenkins. Thanks very much for dropping by. We thanks, appreciate Chris. it. Thanks for having us. Time for our ongoing Keeping the Faith series. You know, have you ever wished that you could kind of slow things down in this crazy modern world that we live in today? seems almost impossible uh, in this go 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 society always on always connected but we have power when we can slow things down focus on the important things in life we can experience the unique joy that comes from embracing God's love and that creates an opportunity to share that with others Kara Whitney who happens to be the wife of comedian Larry the Cable Guy if you knew that Kara Whitney explains how she gets her done in a new book called Fields of Grace. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. Kara Whitney, wife of Dan Whitney, known as Larry the Cable Guy, has discovered a very unusual way to slow life down, to spend quiet time with the Lord. I actually like to go over to my barn and scoop manure because no one else wants the job. I get a lot of quiet time. No one's going to come bug me or else they're afraid I'm going to ask them to help out. So I get so much alone time doing that. That really is where I started correlating my relationships with my animals in that quiet, started to come up with ideas to write about and, and use those as ways to help share faith. Whitney was raised on a cattle farm in northern Wisconsin, then got herself into radio, but had dreams of returning to farming. Now she's living that dream on a farm in Nebraska. My goal was always to get back to the farm. Every paycheck I got, every remote I did, I would sock away 10% of that because my goal was to eventually retire from radio, which I loved, um, and I love living where I lived. I have great friends there even still, but my goal was always to get back to the farm. So moving to Nebraska was actually a dream come true, and it happened well before I ever thought it would. In her second book, Fields of Grace, she explains she doesn't miss the adrenaline days of New York, Dallas, or Las Vegas. I love New York City. Uh, We have a daughter that eventually wants to move there because her Uh, eyes are set on Broadway. That's exciting because I can always visit and then I get to leave. And and that's one thing living in Dallas. You don't have to drive very far to get away from that, just to drive out there and and get away from the hustle and bustle because you can always go back to it. You can always find chaos, right? Whitney writes from a Christian perspective about the simple life that she finds on the farm in Nebraska. You know what? It's it's sort of like, why doesn't God give you everything you ask for? Well, for example, 
uh, my Shetland pony, Tucker, if I gave him everything he wanted. In fact, I was. I mean, I was feeding this guy Rice Krispie treats because he really enjoyed them. But what I ended up doing is making him sick. So I thought, well, that's a good way to represent why God doesn't give us everything we want, because it's sometimes not very good for us. We just don't know that. And so I write about things like that. Whitney writes in Fields of Grace about the best lived life and about the character of God. I've learned a lot about God and his character through the things that I do in my day-to-day activities, in the quiet. And with that, if I'm ever going, this is madness, I can always say, but this is true. And you just have to start leaning on what you know to be true about God. Whitney uses humor and often touching stories, many featuring the animals on the farm to tell readers about Christ. It's just a lot of me talking about people or myself and how we witness, how we talk about Jesus with other people and how it's um, extremely relational, that there's no formula. You don't have to get up on a soapbox and start preaching in the town square, that it's more of a relational piece um, in order to reflect or to be able to open up and talk to someone about Jesus Christ. Many times Christians feel inadequate to witness to those in need. I've had uh, someone I know who had a tragedy, and then just me not, showing up because I didn't feel like I had the right things to say. I I just didn't know what to do, you know, when situations are so heavy. But I talk about how I've worked through that, uh, what I should have done, but actually then how I rectified that and was able to be a great witness for Jesus in that situation. Fields of Grace is a book that explains that when witnessing to another, you only have to reach a certain point. I think that it is how we are so intertwined in how we should take the pressure off and realize we don't have that one thing that we can say that saves someone. All we can do is put a seed in there or mention because Jesus does the saving. He does the work. Here's how to get in touch with Kara Whitney about her second book, Fields of Grace. I'm on Facebook. You can follow me there. I don't post a lot. I just don't want it to be about me. All I'm doing is making myself available to God. I just really want people to be saved. I really want people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is John Clemens reporting. The book Fields of Grace by Kara Whitney. We've got it linked up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Keeping the faith. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. In our community and business spotlight this morning, Stillwater's Retreat. They're a brand new event venue uh, out in the Macomb area. Uh, Molly Faye Nash uh, is the uh, venue coordinator, right? Is that the exact title there? Is that yep, the proper title? <laughs> okay. Uh, so tell everybody about this venue. As we said, it is brand new. As a matter of fact, uh, just recently hosted your uh, first wedding, your first events. You just opened officially in May. So what do people need to know about Stillwater's Retreat? Absolutely. A little history is that we just got the land March 2020, and so everything that's out there is new development for Mm -hmm. this purpose. So we have lots of availability for upcoming weddings, 
like baby showers, sure, everything that you could think of hosting Anything family retreats. You need an event space for exactly, yeah. yeah. And we have a gorgeous outdoor chapel next to our pond. Um, we actually have two swans that have chosen our pond to be their home, so it's really, really ideal. Um, but we really want the community to come out and see it. We have an open house June 6th, which is Sunday, okay. from 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Okay. And uh, we're going to have tons of vendors from the area, lots of caterers from Finley, Macomb, Ottawa area, as well as photographers, um, bartenders. We won't be serving alcohol there, but anybody yeah. who wants to plan something at our venue, those are some of our... like meet a lot of the vendors exactly. uh, that, can, that can help you out. You mentioned that this is a, a brand new facility that has been developed specifically for this purpose. How? What, what size of an event can you host? So weddings can get upwards of 300 people. Okay. Um, we have a semi-enclosed pavilion that, like I said, it fits about 330 if you really pack okay. them in. All right. Um, and then we host anything large to small. We also have um, some camping glamping sites on our property where if it's just like a... Girls Weekend or something that's available too. So it- okay, so you can uh, kind of in, uh, imagine, reimagine any type of an event, whether it's indoor, outdoor, whatever you Absolutely. have in mind. Endless possibilities. So yeah. that's and and that's what I wanted to get to. You've got indoor facilities. You also have outdoor facilities. Correct. You know, however you want to structure whatever event you're having. Exactly. Even our outdoor facilities, our pavilion, it's semi-enclosed, so we can close the sides and put heaters or or coolers in there, depending on the day and the temperature and just really cater it to the needs of the the clients that we're working with with the people renting out the space so how big uh, of an of an area uh, do we are we talking about we're talking 215 acres wow so it's pretty now not all of that has been developed just yet right? correct yeah. we have 95 of those acres as our event space okay um and then on the other side of 224 because we have the fields on the other side too we've planted apple trees we've planted christmas trees we've planted uh vineyards and everything so we really want to develop that into just a really cool space for the community a lot of future plans exactly. uh, for the uh, space as well as you mentioned uh, you are uh open now and so if folks are uh, planning an event for even yet this year yes we have tons of availability um, we have a website and a facebook page our website is stillwatersohio.com and then our facebook page is stillwaters retreat ohio okay um, and so that's the best thing. You can find all kinds of uh, pictures of the event space. and other, As you mentioned, it's even better to stop by during oh, yeah. the open house coming mm-hmm. up here soon. The pictures are amazing, but they don't do it justice. <laughs> like, it's so beautiful out there. And that is Sunday, June 6th is when you have the uh, open house. Correct. From 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Now, uh, for uh, folks to uh, know, again, because it's new, how exactly to do you get to Stillwater's Retreat? Absolutely. So you go up State Route 224, okay. um, kind of from Finley towards Macomb area, and mm-hmm. then we're on Township Road 120. Okay, It's just on the corner there, so if you turn on 120, we're the first left. Um, we have some signs up, and then we can also be found on Google Maps. The newest event venue in our area is called Stillwater's Retreat. The open house coming up Sunday. Again, uh, Molly Faye Nash with us, the venue coordinator, to give us a uh, little preview. Make sure you get out and check it out. Molly Faye, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor.
We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. This is a really unfortunate story, but it's not like you couldn't see it coming. A comedian by the name of Luis Ribeiro de Andrade, who goes by the name Superman, <laughs> was hit by a bus in the Brazilian city of Barra dos, Barra dos Conqueros when a stunt went wrong this past Sunday. The comedian, known as Superman, was hit by a bus. The 35-year-old was dressed up as the comic book hero Superman when he was filming himself trying to prove his super strength by mimicking halting a bus with his hand. (laughs) It didn't work. The footage shows him standing in the middle of the road holding a microphone as a bus comes speeding right toward him. And then he gets plowed over by the bus. Now, the good news... He survived. He was not actually not even seriously hurt. Afterwards, he calmly walks down the road, appearing to be unscathed following the uh, collision, maybe a little dazed. During a later interview on a local news station, uh, Luis said he miscalculated his distance (laughs) and that the hand of God had saved him from getting more seriously injured. (laughs) Again, very unfortunate. Not like you couldn't see it coming. Uh, Kids must be loving this. Officials at West Scranton High School in Pennsylvania said students were sent home on Tuesday morning when security cameras captured what appeared to be a bobcat wandering loose inside the building. So they evacuated the building, sent all the students home, canceled school, called animal control officers who came in. Uh, They looked at the footage, agreed that it appeared to be a bobcat called the Game Commission. The animal captured inside the building, and that's when officials discovered it was just a house cat. (laughs) Just a house cat that had uh, gotten loose. (laughs) Uh, It was actually a domestic breed known known as a clouded jack cat, which has a similar silhouette to a bobcat. So the confusion is understandable. Local shelters scanned the animal for a microchip and identified it as a local pet that had been missing for about three months, and they were able to reunite the pet with its owner that same afternoon. So (laughs) the story has a happy ending, and the kids got out of school for a day. So that's kind of nice. Speaking of kids, a nine-year-old and a four-year-old fortunately are okay after crashing a vehicle into a semi yesterday morning in Utah. The kids say they were driving to California to go swimming at the beach. Nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, we just We were going to California to go swimming at the beach. Both were buckled up when the accident happened. The truck driver said he thought it was an erratic, drunk motorist behind the wheel before the vehicles collided. Police say no one was hurt. Thank goodness for small miracles there. At least they weren't dressed as Superman trying to stop us. Yes, exactly. Um, Elsewhere in the broken news this morning... 
Sometimes being really trendy is not all it's cracked up to be. Sydney Sachs, a recent graduate from the University of Oklahoma, was renting an apartment in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Less than a day after she moved in, a neon sign that she purchased uh, that said, Let's Stay Home. It's one of those trendy pink glowing neon signs read, Let's Stay Home. She hung it on her wall. Less than a day after she moved in, it malfunctioned and set fire to the wall behind it, burning both the wall, her sofa, and setting off the sprinklers that destroyed the rest of her apartment and nearly everything in it. <laughs> so much for uh, trending. The uh, uh, incident was shared uh, on social media, of course, because that's the other th- trendy thing to do. Her video has been viewed over a million times. In it, she explains that she left the light on before going out to meet friends, thinking nothing of it. She said the fire marshal believes that the sign itself started the fire. It had nothing to do with the outlet. Luckily, she had renter's insurance to cover the cost of the damage. But I wonder how her insurance company feels about her making making a claim for everything she owns less than a day after moving into her apartment. She probably... We'll find it tough to get renter's insurance moving forward. And fortunately, no one was injured uh, in the fire. So there is that. But very embarrassing. And finally, in today's broken news, talk about a lucky break. Ryan Seymour uh, lives in Luckley, Scotland. I don't know how you pronounce it. He lives in Scotland. 37 years old says his wallet was stolen at a bar 17 years ago. Uh, So he was initially confused when a police officer recently contacted him on Facebook to ask if he was missing his wallet. He said, well, if it's the wallet that was stolen 17 years ago, yeah. Police told him the wallet had been found in a bush near the bar where it was stolen and uh, somebody turned it in. They found the wallet in the bush. was right there in the bushes near the bar where it was stolen 17 years ago. It sat there. Nobody noticed it. Finally, somebody found it, turned it in. Mr. Seymour says all of the contents of the wallet, well, most of the contents of the wallet were still there. $85 in cash he had inside when, he, when it was stolen was gone. But... It did did still contain his video rental membership card. <laughs> so he's out eighty five bucks, but he still had his video rental card. So that's <laughs> uh, officers say they were uh, more than happy to reunite Mr. Seymour with his lost property. Now he can rent videos again. <laughs> no, wait. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now, 
Your daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. This is kind of interesting. You know, over the past couple of years, the uh, the name Karen has morphed into something of a derogatory term, an insult for you know individuals who are uh, entitled and, you know, that kind of thing. It's uh, become synonymous with, I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> you know, consequently, and probably not surprisingly, the name Karen is becoming less and less popular as a baby name. The Huffington Post reports that the name Karen is sinking like a rock in baby name popularity polls. When it comes to ranking top names for newborns, Karen tumbled nearly 200 spaces in a year from number 660 in 2020 to um, what it, number, si- number 660 in 2020, the worst showing for the name since 1927. Only 325 babies in 2020 were named Karen. Only 325. Now, it was 439 babies in 2019, according to the Social Security Administration. Now, with all of that being said, it should be noted that the name Karen has been on the outs for a while. Uh, The peak for the name Karen was all the way back in 1965, when 33,000 newborns were given that name. Mostly girls, I would imagine. (laughs) But no, 33,000 in 1965, just 439 in 2019, and uh, down to uh, 660 in 2020. Uh, of course, so it, it's been trending this way for a while, but of course with the rise of abrasive, usually white women being filmed doing really harebrained things in public and being labeled Karens for doing so, that... They say may very well be Karen's kiss of death. Time to find out what's happening with details on events and activities in the month of June at the Hancock Historical Museum. Sarah Sisser has joined us in the studio and the first of your June events is actually happening later today, right? That's right. So this month, our topic is Mount Blanchard, the village of Mount Blanchard. Um, We will have Jackie Porcello and Jenny Motter with us, and both are from Mount Blanchard. Um, They both uh, obviously have a passion for the community. Jackie, in particular, has been instrumental in the Heart and Soul Initiative that's been going on there the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So they will talk to us about the history of the community, as well as some of the initiatives that have stemmed from that Heart and Soul. Very cool. So, uh, sort of the inside scoop on the history of, uh, the, and there is a, a really neat history. There uh, is, and it's nice to be able to incorporate some of the history of those um, outlying villages. You know, mm-hmm. we're the Hancock Historical Museum. We like to be able to encompass encompass the entire history of the county, right. not just Finley. So, and um, we especially like to be able to highlight. Uh, those smaller towns and villages. So if you want to attend the Brown Bag Lecture, um, it is in person. We are just asking still that you make a reservation. It's free and open to the public. But just so we can get a good head count, if you could give us a call yet this morning um, at the museum, 419-423-4433, and let us know that you plan to attend. Now, are you still doing those uh, online as well? I think we're going to try not to do the hybrid model this month. We were doing that. I'll tell you, um, I think we all got a little bit better at it out of necessity, but it's sure. a little clumsy. So okay. All right. <laughs> we'd so. like to get back to getting in person. 
Um, but we are going to keep uh, the number of reservations down for a little while um, in our meeting room. Okay. All right. So uh, reservations are requested for that coming up later on today. And then... Uh, let's see here. Victorian French por- front porch tea is the next uh, thing on the calendar. That's right, and that's another favorite annual event. Of course, unfortunately, we weren't able to do it last year with mm-hmm. COVID, but it's coming back this year, Saturday, June twelfth. That event is for children uh, ages six to twelve with an accompanying adult. It's so much fun for those kids. Um, we have our Victorian ladies come and serve them. They learn a little bit more about the etiquette of the time period. They're um, asked to come dressed for the occasion. They can bring their <laughs> dolls. Wonderful treats. Um, it's it, and then we do crafts and games afterwards. So it's really a full day event. Um, but we again need reservations in advance. And you can make your reservations by visiting us online, uh, HancockHistoricalMuseum.org, or calling the museum. Now, I know every year that's very popular, and especially given the fact they didn't have it last year, I'm guessing that those reservations are going to fill up quickly. Yes, I anticipate they will. And so please give us a call or or jump online and make your reservation as soon as possible. Um, And of course, if the weather is decent or nice, we hope um, you'll be able to have the tea on the front porch of the Hall Flater House, and it's just a beautiful surrounding. Yeah, absolutely. So get those reservations in ASAP sooner rather than later so that you uh, uh, get a spot. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Classic Movie Night coming up. That's right. Uh, another monthly program that we have at the museum in addition to our lecture series is the Classic Movie Night, and that is um, always the third Friday of the month. This month it is June 18th. It starts at 7 p.m., and again, free and open to the public. This month it is dinner at 8 Um, And so we always provide some refreshments. There's some great historical context before and after. And just a nice way to enjoy that film if you haven't seen I it. I have to admit, I'm not familiar with that film. Neither am I, and that's not the first time that's happened. There are several <laughs> that have been chosen that um, are brand new to me, and I really particularly enjoyed like the educational piece beforehand, learning but, about the Yeah, context. that makes it fun. Yeah. So if this is one that you're not familiar with, uh, worth uh, worth checking out. So dinner at eight, but the movie is at seven. <laughs> that's right. right. So, okay. Not so to don't get those. Too much. Yeah, don't get those things can, uh, confused. And then uh, lastly, want to uh, give a preview of your history with a twist craft cocktail competition which is back this year that's right this is the third year that we'll be doing this the first year we were able to do it in person last year we had to adapt a little bit and do it as a passport program throughout the summer this year we're going to do both so we have an in-person kickoff event sort of a vip preview event on june 26th um, from four to seven in the evening and if you buy a ticket to that event you'll be able to sample all of the cocktails that are competing Um, We have several great downtown establishments that are competing this year. So you'll sample the cocktails. We have live entertainment that evening, some great appetizers, hors d'oeuvres. So it's a really fun way to enjoy uh, the different competition cocktails. And then you can vote for your favorite at the end of the evening. Then we will continue with the passport program throughout uh, the summer. So those passports go on sale June 28th. You'll be able to pick them up at the Historical Museum or at any of the participating locations. And all of those participating locations are listed on our website. And then you'll have essentially all summer to go to the different establishments and try those cocktails. Your passport will include um, different discounts at each one of those establishments. Mm -hmm. They include things like 10% off your meal or a a special appetizer or something like that. Um, And then you'll need to turn in your vote for your favorite craft cocktail inspired by history by August 20th. And then we'll pick a winner the following week. That is awesome. And by the way, nothing saying that you can't attend the kickoff and get a passport as well, right? Absolutely. We'd love for people to do that. But um, just a way to experience it in two different formats this year. Also, a great way to support our local downtown businesses. 
um, as they participate and compete, uh, as well as obviously supporting the Hancock Historical Museum. So, yeah, big shout out to uh, all of the uh, restaurants uh, that are participating, all of the establishments that are participating in this. Absolutely. Because this uh, takes a little bit of uh, creativity and they have to kind of think about this a, a little bit. Some pr- uh, Quite a bit of pep- preparation and obviously some creativity. We're looking for the most original craft cocktail inspired by history. So we love to hear the inspiration behind each one of those drinks. So that'll be an awful lot of fun. Again, the kickoff is June 26th. That's right. And we have limited tickets available for that, so make sure you get those soon. Again, call the museum or visit our website, HancockHistoricalMuseum.org. So a lot of things going on in the month of June to keep you busy at the Hancock Historical Museum. And by the way, just to... Uh, jump ahead a little bit and uh, don't want to jump too far, but uh, 4th of July, we're going to be right around the corner here, and uh, you are doing the uh, ice cream social. We are. We plan to do the ice cream social just as we do every year, and we'll also have the museum open this year with some great crafts activities, things for the whole family. So um, we're still uh, trying to decide the time there based on the time of the parade, but we will be open that day. Okay, so uh, put that on the calendar as well, because it's going to be here before you know it, which is hard to believe. But uh, again... Thing about it's the future and before you know it it'll be history <laughs> that's right it's the way it works i guess uh, again sarah sisser of the hancock historical museum with us this morning sarah thanks very much thank you chris and that will put a wrap on our podcast for today want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program and a reminder you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. that is goodmornings.net Coming up tomorrow as we finish up the week, Americans are eagerly embracing normal life again at last. But are unvaccinated young people, those in the age 18 to 34 bracket, the post-pandemic weak link? We'll take a closer look at those numbers and what they mean. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.